God, I want to thank you for the love and the grace that you have. Oh, wait, before we pray, did everybody see Minichin? He's making noise over there. Christian and Carrie are here with their son, Christian Jr., who was born a couple weeks ago. Little John Gardner is no longer the newest member of our church. Now, Mini, and Christian, his dad goes by the nickname of Chin, so now he's Mini Chin. And um, yeah, so you have to call him Mini Chin now. I think we need a t shirt <laughs> with an M in the middle. All right, let's pray. Focus now. God, I want to thank you for the love that you have for us, for grace, and for mercy. And I pray this morning, God, as we kind of venture into this Christmas season, uh, that we can move through both celebrating the way the culture celebrates, but recognizing Jesus and knowing who he is in a deeper way. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to ask a few questions this morning. We're going to start by, you know, I'm out of this going to be, I don't know, half a dozen or so questions. And I would like you to answer those questions by raising your hands. And as you raise your hand, I want you to just kind of look around, especially those of you in the front, and kind of give a look to see kind of what the, the temperature is of how people are answering those questions. Now, in saying that, as you answer these questions, I am not looking for the right answer. I am not looking for the correct answer. See, sometimes in church, we're conditioned to give the correct answer. Well, the Bible says this, and so obviously I better answer the way the Bible tells me that I should be feeling or experiencing life. And so I'm going to give the correct answer. I'm not looking for the correct answer. I'm looking for the truthful answer, where you really are in the context of the questions that I'm going to ask. I know that sometimes in church it's hard to be truthful and honest, (laughs) and we poke fun of that every once in a while, but we worry about what other people are going to say. What are the people going to think if if I'm not uber-Christian, king of all Christians, and everything I do is sacred and holy, With a smile. And it's really a sad state of affairs for me as a pastor to think that we have to think that we have to live that way within the church. If any place, church should be the place where we can be real. Church should be the place where it's okay not to be okay. You know what I mean? And so, let's answer with the truth with the truth. And let's not worry about what other people are going to think, what other people... Let's just assume that everybody's got problems in here. Everybody's broken in some way or another. Everybody's a little messed up. Our family of origin messed us up. And, and, and let's, just, let's just... I know that not this group, maybe the church down the street, but let's just assume that for a moment as we go through these questions. All right? This thing is freaking me out today. I tried to fix it and I ruined it. All right. Question number one. If you could slow things down in your life, like if you could take your calendar and just erase all of the things, all of the stuff that you have to do on that calendar, and, and, and so you just had more time to just breathe, more time just, just to be, to be still. I mean, not even like over-spiritualizing stillness, just to, just to take it easy. If you can slow things down, 
How many of you would be more content with life than you are right now? Go ahead, look around. All right, question number two. If you could, in some way, fix that relationship, you know, the one that's been broken for a long time, the one that just causes tension, whether it's in your family or it's in your, your circle of friends or whether it's, whether it's at work, you know, that relationship that, that every time you see this person or uh, you walk by them, there's this awkwardness. If you could fix that relationship, reconcile it, bring it back to what it used to be or something normal, how many of you would be more content than you are right now? Question number three. If you could have a different job. Now, if your boss is here, don't raise your hand. If you can have a different job. One that, one that you, were, you were excited about. One that, you know, you were excited to get out of bed in the morning. One that for you just had a little bit more meaning, a little bit more purpose. It felt like you were accomplishing something. That you weren't just the cog in the wheel type of, of thing, but, but for you it had meaning and purpose. If you, had, if you were able to have a different job, how many would be more content than you are right now? William. <laughs> There's always one in the crowd. Three demerits. All right, question number four. And William, do not put your hand up for this one. If you can somehow make more money. <laughs> not, not like millionaire status money. You know, not like, you know, you're, 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 you're all blinged out and you got the nice ride with the, with the 17s and, the, and the, I don't even know what 17s are. But, you know, they, they say that a lot. But, but if you can have uh, uh, more money. And so it doesn't feel like you're living just paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, week to week. That, that's just a, jo- or a, a way that you had more so that you can have some financial independence. If that's you, and, and you would feel more content like that than you are now, then ra- raise your hand. Question number five. If you could have less stuff, less Things in your life, less things to worry about fixing and protecting and keeping track of. If you can just like simplify your house and and, and just there's more space there and you don't have, (laughs) yeah. So I'm I'm taking it. There'd be some contentment there. It's interesting. I didn't have to finish that one. I'm not, I was going to say, now, how many of you would feel more content if I stopped asking questions about being content? But I, I, don't, I don't, hey, hey, hey. You know, if we press into this idea of being content, I think all of us can in some way, shape, or form think of ways or things if they were just a little bit different. If I can get certain things or if I can release certain things or if my situation was different or I was in in a a different set of circumstances, then I would feel less stressed out. I would feel less, I would feel more relaxed. I would actually be more content. Here's the reality of how we live. Our culture breeds discontentment. It, it, it does. And the way things are marketed to the consumer 
is through the spirit of discontent. We breed discontentment. And our culture is quick to highlight all of the ways and all the things that you are lacking. All of the stuff that you really need that you do not have. See, life would be so much better. It would be more fulfilling if you just, if you just could do this. Or if, you, or if you had that and a few of these other things. You know, if you want to, uh, if, you, if you're interested in understanding people, and you want to understand um, what certain groups of people or people, you know, singular individuals, what they, what they really think is important, then just look at the things that they celebrate in their life. Look at what is celebrated in a people group or in individuals. Because what people tend to celebrate is the, the most valuable thing in their life. And what is the most valuable thing in somebody's life is the most important thing. That's what they make, the single most important thing. And when you have the most important thing, that's the thing that you celebrate. That's the thing that stands out. That's, that's the focus of life. That most valuable, important thing is celebrated in each one of our lives, whether it be individual or, or groups of people. Now, I would hope that here at our church, that you would, you would get the feel that the most important thing that we value here is, is Jesus. That, that we want to celebrate Jesus. We want to always point people to the truth of who, who, who Jesus is. Everything that we do, we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to seek Christ and Christ alone. Because he is our hope. He is our answer. He is our joy. He is our forgiveness. He is our reconciliation. And so our Sunday mornings, especially Sunday mornings, are about celebrating Jesus. The songs that we sing, even the announcements that we do, the preaching, hopefully, points people to Jesus. Baptisms, baby dedications, point people to Jesus. Communion, which we'll celebrate next, next week, points people to Jesus. We want to celebrate him. We want to make him the most important thing. Now, I get it. Life happens. Happens to me too. And things get busy and and, and we get distracted and we get pulled in every which way. And we do have that discontentment in us and and it kind of wells up and and it distracts us from the things that God would have for us. But we want to always come back to celebrating Christ and Christ alone. And so here we are, the first week of Advent. Christmas is close. It's sneaking up on us. This is the holiday of holidays. It's, it's, it's the pinnacle. It's the mountaintop. It's the granddaddy of them all. It's the big daddy. It's the big cheese of all the holidays. Christmas. No other holiday gets the hype that Christmas gets. We start planning for Christmas weeks before Christmas ever gets here. I walked into Home Depot November 23rd. It was a Monday. It's my day off. I love Mondays. You all might hate them, but for me, it's like, whoa, Monday. Anyway, I walk in, and, and you walk in Southington Home Depot. You're not in, the, not in the professional door because do I look like a professional? No, I walk in the other door where all the common folk walk in. I look off to my left, and there it is. Christmas trees wreaths 
lights. The big blow-up Santa Claus that you can buy and put on your front lawn with the reindeer and the snowman. And it's not like they were getting it ready to display. Oh, no, it was ready. It was done. I've been getting Black Friday emails a week before Black Friday even started. This morning I checked my email. Guess what's tomorrow? Cyber Monday. I've been getting those for a week too. We gear up in this culture for Christmas, weeks before it ever gets here. You can feel the shift in the force as Thanksgiving gets closer. We are inundated with ads for you to buy stuff. Not only for yourself, but for those people that you, that you really love. And, and it's, it's a consistent message over and over again. You can't get away from it. It knows no religious boundaries or societal boundaries. It just, it just comes at us in full force. And we, I, I hope that during this Advent, we're going to take a look at what I want to get, I want to get under the buzz that's buzzing around. I want to get to the root and the cause because there's a, there's a tension that happens during this time of year. There's a, um, a battle that goes on during this time of year. And it's not just all the superficial stuff that comes at us and all the gifts and all the commercials and all the... I saw, I saw a commercial for a candle. And it's this young girl, and she's putting up lights in her apartment. And this old man, he looks like a grumpy old man. He gets out of his house and he locks the door. And he gets in the car and he drives away and she looks out the window ever so lovingly and caringly. And she takes the lights down from her house and she puts them on his house in the front. And he comes home and he gets out of his car and he just smiles. And I think, what if he's Jewish? <laughs> like, you know, so, so, so it's, it's just gearing up more and more and more. But there's something going on. There's the buzz under the buzz. And all of this superficial stuff actually has its roots deep down in the human heart and soul. Our family, we do Christmas. We buy presents for people, for the children, and sometimes we buy presents for other people. Depends if we like them or not. We have our Christmas tree up. It's a fake one. We like fake now. We have a wood-burning stove. Real gets crunchy really quick with a wood-burning stove. Our Christmas tree went up on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Don't judge me. My son put it up. We get invited to friends' house for Christmas parties. We take part in white elephant grab bag thingies, which is cool because you just bring garbage. <laughs> and, and, and we have fun. And some of the people at those parties, they don't even go to church. <laughs> We're awesome, right? We do Christmas morning. The kids open their gifts. We have coffee and Cinnabons. We love Cinnabons. We love Christmas morning so much that when Christmas falls on a Sunday, we cancel church. I, I don't want to work on uh, Christmas morning. And you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong or bad or evil with any of it. We take, we take part in the celebration, the cultural celebration of Christmas. But there are some spiritual dynamics that are happening that, that stay hidden. They just kind of purr under all of it. And what our culture has deemed, it has created a message for Christmas. Our, 
our culture has. And, and this is the message. Your life sucks. But Christmas fixes everything. That's what our culture puts out there. Your life is horrible. You have nothing that you want, but Christmas fixes everything. Now, we kind of talk about this on occasion here, that we know that there is something missing deep inside us that that we're always kind of looking for. There's something missing in us. There's this sense that it's missing, and we're on this constant search to find it. And marketers, those who do marketing, they know what makes a human tick, a person tick. And so they go after it. They know that there's something missing. And they know that we're really not always content, fully content. We're always in want of something. And so what they say is, oh, oh, wait, see, no, no. You need, you need this. And if you're coming to get this, well, then you're probably going to want that too. And While you're here, you might as well just get a few of these other things because they're all at our store on sale. And we appreciate you and love you so much and understand your need. We're going to open our door starting at 5 o'clock on Thanksgiving, the holiday that's horrible for all those in retail. And so you should come. We're so thankful for you spending your money with us. Amen. See, Christmas will fix everything. Christmas fills the wants, the things that we're lacking. It's around the Christmas table that the family comes, and they're all dressed nicely, and the children are so well-behaved, and the turkey is perfect, golden brown, with just the right amount of stuffing protruding from its cavity. Not too much, not too little. And the drinks are, nobody spills a drink at the Christmas table. And there's, there's that friendly banter. <laughs> and, and it's back. Just watch the commercials. You, you see it over and over again. It's the perfect Christmas every single time. And on the morning of December 25th, you will wake up and you will know the true meaning of life. It will all be revealed to you as you open that little box. And there are the keys to the white Lexus with the big bow in the driveway that Santa somehow delivered to you because that's what the commercial said. It's the ploy, man. It's it's the bait and switch. This is marketing, and it works. Oh, and let's not forget, if you really loved your family and friends, I mean, really loved them, you too would get them a really nice gift to help them find their meaning of life on Christmas morning. That's... That's the, that's the, the cell. And, and, and sometimes it's really not about stuff or things. Sometimes it's about an idea like that, like that little old man and, and he just, his world lit up. It was a Glade candle commercial. I'm like, really? But, but look at, look at TV shows, you know, Lifetime and, and, and the family shows, all those tear jerker Christmas specials are out. You know, the family is, is completely divided. Dad, he's, he's hitting the bottle hard again, and, and mom's upset. And, and all the children, they just can't be home because there's just so much contention in the family. And we're taking the grandkids, and you are never going to see us again. But then, I think it starts with the Salvation Army dude. Ding, ding, ding. And then hearts start to melt. And, and somehow, the family is reunited. 
This all takes place in an hour and a half. The family is reunited. And, and they start to talk. And dad, it's always the dad that hits the bottle. I don't know why. But, but dad decides that he's, he's going to go on the wagon. And mom, the, 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 the wall is starting to break down. And the children and the grandchildren come back. And, and, and everybody realizes how mean they were to each other and how wrong they were. And there's just, there's hugs and there's tears. And then the Christmas meal. They sit down once again at that same table. And the children are all happy. There's none crying. There's nothing on their face. The right amount of stuffing is sticking out of the cavity of the bird. It's golden brown. Nobody spills anything. Everybody's still, <laughs> you know. And, and there's this friendly banter. And it's all better. See, this all plays against the backdrop in the human heart that something is missing. Something is lacking. And what our culture says, Christmas is going to fix it, and we're going to show you how. Now, please understand, I want you to enjoy Christmas. There is something special about this, this time of year. And to, to the... Uh, to the clues and to the gardeners with their new children. Where is Ray? Ray's back there. I want to encourage you guys. All you need to do is buy your new children wrapping paper. <laughs> Gently ball it and give it to them. They will be so happy. And if you want to be parents of the year, an empty box. That goes <laughs> a long way. But enjoy Christmas. Enjoy what's going on. Celebrate. And I know that for some, this is a very difficult time of year. And I want you to know that, that I and many people are aware of that. And we stand with you in that difficulty. But find a way to celebrate. Find a way to connect with people. And I know it might not be perfect. I know it might not be how you, you hope and you've been praying for. But, but don't let it just go with, with, without Celebrating somehow and in some way. And as Jesus followers, I want to make sure that we don't come out the other side of this season more frustrated and more broken because we can't get just totally caught up in what the culture tries to push at us. We can't just blindly follow this cultural idea of Christmas because it's lacking the depth of what the season is about. In Genesis chapter 1, God's creating stuff. He's doing a really good job. He's like, wow, this is good, this is good, this is good. And, and in verse 29, he says, it said, God said, let us make mankind in our image. And we've been created. We hold a special place in creation. We were created in a very unique context. We can look at all of the created world, all of the things that have been created and we stand outside of that a little bit. We have been created in the image of God. The only thing. Humanity has been created in the image of God. We are his image bearers in this world. We are special. We've been set apart. In fact, God says, you have dominion over the fish and the birds and the livestock. You've been created special. 
And in that creation that we've been created in his likeness, we have been given certain characteristics that are divine and sacred. We've been created in his image. And this is what the writer of Ecclesiastes gets to in chapter 3. Beginning of this verse said, God will make everything beautiful in its time. And then it says, he has also set eternity in the human hearts. We have been born, we have been created with something that's unique and divine and sacred. And it's been put into our hearts, but it's, it's there and it's not yet. Because we live in the physical now. But we've been gifted this idea of eternity. If you've been kicking around Christian world for a while, it, it would be that, that hole in your heart that only God can fill. That God-shaped box that only God can fit into. And those, those might sound cliche, but it's the truth. That we're, we're born with this eternity in our heart that's, that's there and it's, and it's not yet. And so the challenge for us, humanity becomes this. We try to fill that gap of eternity with something that's temporary. With, with stuff and with things. And temporary can never satisfy that which is eternal. But it's all we really can get our hands on in our culture, in our world. And so we, as humanity, we try to stuff stuff in there. Try to fill the hole, fill the gap. And it's the reason why people, cultures, societies fall easy to, to, the, to the offerings of the cultural Christmas. That we get caught up in all of the things and the stuff and the ideas that are thrown out there. Because it pulls at the core of who we are. Of who we've been created to be. We want to calm down that, that inner thing that's going on. We try to do it with the stuff that people can build and get together. And we try to stuff it in. But it's temporary. Temporary will never satisfy the eternal. Temporary does work for a while, though. I mean, if you think about it, right? It works for a while. Or else we would just, I don't know. It's like, but it's like trying to survive on potato chips. You can eat all the potato chips you want, probably fill your belly, but there's no real nutritional value to them. That's what filling the eternal with the temporary is like. There's no substance. And so we, as people, we push, continually press into this hope of fulfilling that, that, that thing that's missing within us all. Hope of finding and fulfilling that more. And the things we end up trying to, to satisfy that more with end up not delivering because they are temporary, trying to fulfill, trying to fill what is eternal that God has put in us. You know, think of it as kids, we're always looking for, for our freedom. Sometimes it's just to play in the other room without our parents there. Sometimes it's just to play in the yard by ourselves and then in the neighborhood by ourselves. And then it's the ultimate as a kid, you got to get the car. That's freedom right there. And then, then if you have the car, you cannot be constrained by riding the bus to school. You need to drive. You need to establish some street cred. And so you drive the car. And then you find that's not enough freedom. You want to get out of high school. You got to graduate. But before you can graduate, you got to find the right college. And you get into the college. And now you're in college. But what do you want to do when you get into college? I mean, I mean, temporarily, you're like, yes, I got into the college I wanted to. But then you want to get out of the college that you wanted to get into in the first place. And you want to graduate. And then you graduate, and now you got to get the job. 
And you want just not a job, you want a career. You just spent $100,000 in college. And now you want to get uh, the, the, the career that matches the education. And you get the job. But that's not enough. I mean, that's a good day that you got the job. You're like, woo, I got the job. But now you want the promotion. Now you want to just climb up the ladder a little bit. And so temporarily you stay kind of, yeah, okay, this is good. But now whew, I want that corner office. And then you get the promotion. You're like, yes. I've gotten more, but it's temporary because now that you got the promotion, now you want the car with the GPS and Bluetooth and, and the XM radio in the 17s, yo. <laughs> and we try to pack into a, this, this eternal gap in our hearts, temporary things, and, and it just doesn't deliver. And we continue to long for the more. And it stays with us. It stays with us. It never goes away. It's, it's the lie of our culture and society. The lie says that, and it works for a few reasons, because we do have this gap of eternity within our hearts, this hole, and we know that there's something more. And most people know that there's something more, but I would hope that those followers of Jesus would know that it's, that it's this eternity that God has given us, gifted us with. The, 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 it's there, but it's not yet type of thing. And so in our humanness, we try to fill this gap. And we look around and say, wow, they're, they're kind of happy. I, I think... I think I should have what they have. I mean, I can't, I can't have a Sears tractor when everybody on the street has a John Deere. I need me a John Deere. And so we begin to covet the lives of other people. We begin to covet those other things. We would never admit that in church. That's not Christian. But it's, it's, it's just human nature that we want these things. We want what other people have. And covet, covetousness is a dangerous, um, it's a slippery slope to be on. Because what it accuses God of is, God, you're not taking care of me like I need to be cared for. You're not giving me the things that I need. And so I'm going out there and I'm going to get them myself. And that posture in the human heart is a very dangerous posture to have. The writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter 1, he says it like this, that the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. We always want more. Because we're trying to fill this gap of eternity with temporary things. It's, it's Apple's marketing plan for the iPhone. Like, like they're sitting around at the table going, <laughs> okay, we got the iPhone 6, right? right? Okay, let's check this out. We're going to put another megapixel in the camera. And we're going to put an S after the 6. Ching, and we're going to sell 10 million of these things. It's going to be, and half of them are from the people who just six months ago bought the iPhone 6, but it didn't have the S. It's the marketing ploy of all marketers that we need the next thing. We need the temporary because we're always looking for more. We're trying to fill eternity with temporary things. But here's the good news. Here is the gospel, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not 
overcome it. As we read this passage, when it uses the word word, not like your word, but word, capital W, it's referring to Jesus. And so what this is saying in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. You see, Jesus is the word of God manifest on this planet, on this earth. And Jesus is God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been, and he will always continue to be. Jesus is eternal. And if I can get all Christian on you for, for just, just a moment, and, and I apologize if you're offended, but just stay with me. When Jesus rules and reigns in our hearts, when he is the most important thing, when he is celebrated, when he is the most valuable thing, then it's the eternal filling the gap of eternity in the human heart. He makes the difference. He satisfies. He alone is our hope. Submitting to Jesus, there's there's this union that takes place and it's sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a union with Christ means that your sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven. You have been justified, sanctified. You You are been reconciled back to your creator, to God, your father. Past, present, and future, you are forgiven. That when Jesus looks at me because of my faith in him, when God, I mean, looks at me because of my faith in Jesus, he doesn't see all all rag-tag, sinful Dennis. He looks and he sees the righteousness of Christ. Because I got nothing to offer. See, that's, that's the good news. It's the eternal filling eternity in the human heart. See, God didn't leave us with some unfillable void in us. He gave us the solution. He gave us Christ. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In theological terms, they would say that Christ is the agent of creation. That means he he got it going. Jesus has created, everything has been created through him and for him, the scriptures tell us. And so because he is the creator, sustainer, when, when I've entered into this union with him, he begins to reorder me, to create in me something new, create in me a clean heart, create in me a steadfast spirit. Those are the, the gifts that I've been given. That's the creation that I've been coming. The old is gone and the new has arrived. And the, the common things in life, just the, the everyday mundane things, they, they have a new perspective, a sacred perspective, an eternal perspective because eternity is now filling the gap that was in my heart that I tried so desperately to fill with just temporary things. See, in Christ, sorrow and loss has been defeated. In Christ, brokenness is being made whole. Even though Alexis is really nice, it will never make you whole. It will never put you back together again. Gladness of heart for all that who would believe. Grace given, grace received. And see, church, when we begin to look at this time of year through that lens, 
Understanding that we are lacking something that can never be fulfilled with things and stuff that our culture wants to get us to do or to buy or to take part in. We can understand that the only thing that's going to fill this, this gap of eternity, is he who is eternal. And that is Christ. When we can begin to look at this season through that lens, it doesn't matter how busy it gets. It doesn't matter how crazy it gets. You can be you can just find more and more peace as you go through it. Because you, you, can, you, can, you can celebrate the cultural traditions that Christmas brings with, 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 with enjoyment and fun, not just kind of like, oh, fine, happy holidays, loser. You know, it doesn't matter because you are celebrating what needs to be celebrated in your heart. That's how we enter into this season. That's the direction we need to go in. And when we understand that we can never fill the eternal with the temporary, we begin to live differently. We begin to live slower. We begin to live simpler. We begin to live with less. That person doesn't agitate us so much. Next row over, next cubicle over. You go to the mall and you just laugh. And then you can cry because these people, many of them don't know that they're trying to fill what is eternal with everything that's temporary. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. That it was with you. That your word is you. That you are God. That through you all things have been made. And that you are the light of life, the light of all mankind. And that light will shine in the darkness. May your church be a reflection of that light. You are our hope. We love you. We stand before you with great joy and anticipation. As we get to celebrate Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We'll see you next week, huh?